0: Okay, so I just have a few minutes with you all this morning, and my favorite thing, it's kind of odd, but my favorite thing on uh, Mother's Day is to uh, share some quotes from some famous mothers, mothers of some famous people, like um, Mrs. King, who said to her son, Martin, if you don't stop daydreaming, you're never going to get anything done. Think about that one for a minute. And then uh, Mrs. Lindbergh, who said, Charles, can't you do anything on your own? Mrs. Morse, who said, Sam, stop tapping your fingers on the table. You're driving me crazy. (laughs) And then Mrs. Mrs. Washington, who said, George never did have a head for money. (laughs) And then finally, Mrs. Armstrong, who said, Neil has no more business taking flying lessons than the man in the moon. Okay, so on a serious note, I got Pastor Bo and Pastor Trenton and myself together because I was putting together a list of how to be a great mother. So I got some great minds together, uh, but I realized it wasn't enough with Bo and Trenton and I for coming up with how to be a great mother. So I added uh, Lou Vanderhart to the room. Uh, Londa was off that day, so I figured Lou would be able to step in. And so we came up with, I, I wanted the Ten Commandments of Motherhood, but we got a little carried away and we've got 17. But we think that these 17, if your moms would just follow them, the world would be a better place. So, number one, love your child unconditionally. Number two, never hurt your child. Number three, always do what is best for your children. Number four, always put the child's need before your own. Number five, always want to be around your child. Number six, you should always feel that the most important thing in the world is your child. Number seven, you should... (laughs) you should always be willing to give up anything for your child. Number eight, you should be happy staying home with your kids all day, always, every day. Number nine, never resent, you just never resent your child. Number 10, you should feel the only thing you need in your life is to feel happy is your child. Number 11, should completely define yourself as a person through motherhood. We're almost done. Number 12, shouldn't feel bored spending time with your child. Number 13, should feel happy and overjoyed every time you look at your child. Number 14, should never think about how enjoyable your life was before kids. Number 15, should be able to handle kids all day without needing breaks while your husband's at work. That was bad. Number 16. (laughs) How 1970s. Number 16. Shouldn't feel unhappy at night when up with your child. And then number 17. Always understand your child's sleep is more important than your own. So if you have any problems with any of those, talk to Lou or to Bo or to Trenton, none of which had anything to do with this list. So moms, I have news for you. Nobody can be the mom to your kid that you can be. And no other mom is going to be the kind of a mom that you are because God created you to be you. And just like anything else in life, when we start comparing and contrasting ourselves to another mom, it's, it's always time for discouragement depression, anxiety, and everything else that follows all of that. So when you see other moms and what they're doing, you think, oh, I wish I was more like that. You don't see the things that that mom is doing that you're glad you're not like that and all your kids are glad or your child is glad that you're not like that other mom as well. But all of the shoulds and the always and the shouldn'ts, sometimes they make it hard to breathe. They, they just, you, you, you can't do that. Um, so that's why that first list was not a good list. Here's a list that might be a little more doable and just do the best you can with it, and that is to teach your child how to live life to the fullest and to be there when your children need you, to teach your child the importance of self-worth, to provide food and shelter and love, to be a good example to your children, to make time to have fun with them, to allow room for your children to make mistakes and to learn from them, and then to teach your children how to love unconditionally. Those are all things that we can do mostly, but you'll never do it all 100%. Um, As I looked through the scriptures for today, it was surprising to me how little it says in terms of what mothers should do, how to be the best mother, you know, A, B, C, you know, the steps of motherhood. Really very, very little in the Scriptures about it. Um, yet, for kids, on the other hand, there's a lot in the Bible about, like, for instance, in Exodus. Uh, the Ten Commandments actually have something called honor your father and mother. And in, in, uh, Paul repeated that in the New Testament. He said, so that it may go well with you and so that you may live a long life on the earth. And over and over in uh, the Old Testament and New Testament, we see, um, we see commandments to people to honor their elders, to honor their parents, to honor their mother, to honor their father, to be wise by listening to mom and be wise by listening to dad. These are things over and over. Yet there's, you know, we can extrapolate from a lot of scriptures how, you know, a mom might live her life and how she might raise her kids. But it's not like there's a, there's like one passage. In fact, there is one passage. It's Proverbs chapter 31, the wife of noble character. Some of you would remember that passage. But when you look through that passage, you see a woman who's kind of organized. She's industrious. She's hardworking. She's got a good reputation. She helps the poor. She buys a field and she Uh, plants and she manufactures things. She takes things to the merchants in town to sell. Her husband is honored at the city gates. But it really doesn't say a whole lot about being a mother in that passage. Well, we might think, well, maybe she was just one who didn't have any kids. She was was a, a working woman who didn't have any children. But that's that's not true either because in verse 28 of Proverbs 31, it says this, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. But that's all it says about her being a mom. Don't you think if there were certain things that mom was supposed to do, specifically to motherhood, that there would be like a a whole section or like that, that section would have contained like a number of things, like feeding on a schedule, right? Or keeping the house a certain way, or a certain organizational system that is best for a mom to do, or a certain way to dress your kids, or whether to homeschool them, or to send them to a different school, or, or how to help them pick their friends. And all. None of that is in Proverbs 31. It just talks about This woman who's living her life. So, as we look through scripture, we see if you have uh, one of the handouts that you might have grabbed on the way in, the very last, uh, let's see, where is it here? The last line uh, of the handout is what I want to tell you this morning in the shortened message time that I have this morning is that to be the person you want your children to become. I think that's the best advice that dads can have, that moms can have, is to be the person that you want your kids to become. Because more than likely, and especially the older they get, they're going to realize that they are becoming the person that you were. In fact, they make commercials about this stuff now. You know, when you're like your parents. There's a reason for that. Because from your earliest memory... Your whole view of life and the schematic of your personal wiring and makeup gets to be woven together. And you see your mom and she does things and she moves a certain way and she talks a certain way. She has a certain tone of voice. She responds to certain situations in particular ways. And you see your dad and he moves and he says things in a certain way and he he reacts and he responds in a certain way to different situations. And you see your mom and dad and you hear them like subconsciously unconsciously, they're, they're talking and they're interacting, and you are learning as a person what kind of a person you're going to be and how you're going to relate or not to God. And those parents, those moms and dads who say, oh, we love God, and they, they go to church, and they, they have a good show out in public when they're outside the house, but then when they're at home, they're kind of a different person. They, they don't really spend any time with the Lord. Their, their mouth is, is loose and crass. They're, they're selfish and, and self-centered. Uh, their priorities have really nothing to do with Jesus or his kingdom or the scriptures. That kid is learning bit by bit, strand by strand, is being woven together in their being that, well, oh, that's not true. God isn't real. What a farce. What a figment of everybody's imagination. What an opiate of the masses, as one person said. It's not real. And as they get older and they face situations in their life, they're going to have to decide, who do I believe? Do I believe the world? Or do I believe the world that my, my parents say exists, but they actually, they, they actually live more over here And church is something we go to, but it really doesn't impact our lives all that much, except for we go there on a Sunday morning. That's that's not real. When they have to choose, and there's two roads, and one road's the way to God, and the other road is the way that everybody else is going, more than likely, they're going to go down that road because they're going to say, God's not real. If he were real, my, my parents would know it. That he, he didn't work in their life. He's not going to work in my life. But but if you have parents that are, they say that they're a believer and they say they love Jesus and they go to church or they're, they're involved in some kind of a, of a religious group and then they, they make mistakes and they mess up and maybe some crass word comes out of their mouth or they have a bad attitude. But when they do that, you see that they... Uh, that there there's a catch in their in their heart about that and they they'll even say to you oh son I, I I'm sorry I I I flew off the handle would you forgive me oh mom did not handle that well here's how I could have done it better I'm really sorry sorry you had to see that I'm sorry you had to hear that I'm sorry I reacted that way um could we pray about it, um, I'm sorry. An acknowledgement of right and wrong, an acknowledgement of, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but God is real. And it impacts me when I make these mistakes. That kid, when they're faced with the way to God or the way that all the rest of the people in the world are going, they're going to say, no, it's like, if I'm going to do what's right, whatever it takes, I'm going to need to follow God. I'm not going to be perfect either, and I'll make mistakes. I hope I can be as as faithful as my parents. And I've always believed that scenario. And it was about 10 years ago, I was in a master's program, and I had to do some research, and I found a number of studies where they studied that in kids. And they found out that in the families where the parents would just go to church, but that was their totality of their religion, those kids, they didn't live for God. They didn't follow God because it wasn't real. But the parents that, I mean, the parents that messed up, like even messed up bad, had marriage issues or financial issues or like serious stuff where they would go off the rails, but they would come back on and they would recognize their sin and they would get things right and they would make amends and apologize and reconcile. Those kids... Way more followed God in their lives, and I was so excited to actually read this empirical data that that did it because there were so many times, so many tears from my eyes with my kids when I thought, "Oh, I blew it! I did it again! I, I lost my patience! I'm a, I, I screamed at him! I I took my son's phone. Maybe I told you the story and." He didn't answer it one night. When he finally got home, I took that phone. I whipped it across the family room. There's probably still in a dent. There's still a dent in the, in the wall at the Parsonage in Orange City from that. In fact, the phone might still be sticking out of the wall. I don't even know. But as soon as I did it, what did I think? Cha-ching. <laughs> I got to buy another one, right? Because I just ruined that one, you dummy. Um, and I, so many times I had to go to my kids I'd go into their bedroom, I'd sit in their bed, and I'd apologize. And invariably, I'd start crying, you know, and, and felt like a failure as, as a parent. Um, but over the years, they saw that. And a perfect parent, no, but a parent that really does, is trying to love God and, and, and seeking God and searching for God, yes. So on your sheet, um, it says for kids on the one side. Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and mother. And then Ephesians 6, where it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. Then it says, listen to this. For this is right. In a society where we don't know who's right. It's your right, my right, whoever's right. Whose truth? Your truth, my truth, whoever's truth. But the cool thing about the scriptures is that God will tell us something. And in this spot, he comes right out and says that this is right. This is the right thing to do. So kids, whether your parents deserve it or not, whether they've earned it or not, whether they're right or wrong, honor your father and your mother because it's the right thing to do, God says. And then he says in here that it's the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, so that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You want a good life? Honor your parents. And that's, that's a lifelong thing. As long as your parents are alive, you give honor to your parents. And there's, there's so much that we can say about that. Um, but Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland or, or a, a, a wreath, so to speak, to grace your head uh, and a chain to adorn your neck, the things that were beautiful in their day. This is what it's like to listen to your father's instruction and don't forsake your mother's teaching. So that's for the kid. For the mom, uh, it says a lot in the Bible about disciplining your kids. So the most important thing that they need to learn from you is what is right and what is wrong and how much are you going to tolerate as their parent, and some kids are easy, and some kids are hard. Honestly, I'm a little, I'm a little bit uh, biased, and I have to uh, account for that bias because the personalities in my family were more easy personalities. My my daughter and my three sons, they weren't like real hard to raise. They were pretty easygoing, and when I would tell them something, for the most part. They would just do it. There wasn't a lot of pushback. Uh, some, not everybody's like that. Not all kids are like that. And uh, the way that I raised my kids, I now know that for a couple of my grandkids, I couldn't raise them using the same methods and in the same manner that I raised my kids. They're very different little people. They've got different personalities, different makeups. But the important thing is, is... We have to discipline our kids. In over So as, as you look through the scriptures, what do parents do? They discipline their kids. What do parents do? They discipline their kids. That, that's basically saying, here's the line on this side of the road, here's the line on that side of the road, and you've got to stay within the lines. It's just, it's just like driving or anything in life. There's a way to do it, and then there's a way that you do it, and it'll go well, and a way that if you do it this way, you're going to get hurt, and other people are going to get hurt. It's showing our kids where the lines are, teaching them how to live their life and the best way that we could do that is for us to be the people that we want our kids to become so as a mom or a dad you can have all kinds of different approaches methods vary wildly but the principle of you follow god you follow god you have a heart for god you be the person you be the mom that you, the, the, the person you want your daughter to become, the person on the inside you want your son to become. that I, I mean, that's basically the teaching of Scripture. And so that then all throughout the Scripture, it tells us how to live. And so you could say, like, that's parenting. I mean, parenting is modeling for our kids the kind of a person that, that honors God, the kind of a lifestyle that gives glory and praise to God. Um, so anything that teaches us how to live for Jesus, how to be kingdom people. You could say that's parenting because we want to be the people we would like to see our kids become. It's hard. It's grueling. There will be times at night when you cry. I think of these young parents, you know, when you have your first kid and they're just so small and they're just so cute and everything. And of course, that that goes away pretty quick when they won't stop crying and they won't go to sleep at night and you're, you know, fried out of your brain. But you don't realize you've got these kids for the rest of your life. And when you sign up to be a parent, you take your heart out and you put it right in your hand. And there's opportunity for pain and for suffering and for loss and for grief. But there's also, it's the only opportunity to experience real love is when you have a child and you give that child your heart and your life and you have great opportunity. And it's like that with anybody that we give love to and we decide and we commit that we're going to love them, we also give them the opportunity to bring us great pain. Uh, so, like anything in life, um, Bo was, uh, I think Bo was talking about it earlier, about the struggle that we go through. And yet, it's through the struggle that God really grows us and he teaches us. So, parents, be the person you want your kid to become. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you've called us to place our faith in him. And Jesus, you have called us. You said, follow me. You said to follow you. You said to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, I pray for uh, every parent in this room this morning. God, I pray that you would help them to live that life uh, that they would want to see lived out in their own kids. God, we, we're not perfect, but we pray for your strength. We pray for your blessing so that we can bring you glory, Lord, and so that we can be uh, a great role model for our own children. And God, I pray for those this morning who are struggling on a day like today, maybe having just lost a mom or maybe not being a mom yet. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us in whatever situation we find ourselves in this morning to place our faith and our trust in you and to and to be hopeful that our hope would be in you as well so we worship and praise you this morning father in jesus name amen mm-hmm.